Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. Now, on this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now, Guam Human Rights Initiative, and the Military Women's Collective, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, as well as the big things they're up to now, kicking a dent in the universe. And of course, we discuss some of the most critical issues facing veterans and their families today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. And now here's your host, U.S. Army veteran Mary Kate Saliba. Hello, everyone. Welcome back and welcome, if this is your first time, to Veteran Voices. Appreciate you all tuning in as I'm gearing up for an exciting guest today. Just a quick programming note before we get started. Veteran Voices is part of the Supply Chain Now family of podcasts, and you can get those podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from. And also, we are in proud partnership with the Guam Human Rights Initiative, a nonprofit that's near and dear to my heart, where they're focused on human rights issues impacting Guam and the region. So like I said, I'm Mary-Kate Saliva, your host today, and I'm super excited to welcome a Navy veteran and a fellow sister at arms, and she's also the founder of Talents Ascend, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the episode, but I'm super excited to welcome to the show Robin Grable. Robin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mary-Kate. Pleasure to be here. Honored to have this opportunity to talk with you. Yes. And I was like, you know, I, I always look for when I'm looking for guests for the show, I was like, I got to mix it up, you know, instead of hitting it hard with the army as an army veteran myself. And I was like, I got to mix it up. So we got a Navy in the house today, Navy veteran. <laughs> yes, go Navy. Yeah, so let's get to put a go go army there. Well, I'm super excited to have you on, and I wanted to kick off the show as I always do with a motivational quote. And as I mentioned offline, you are welcome to sing it, rap it, dance to it, however you want. But I would really love for you to pump us up with a motivational quote today. Well, I I don't I won't sing for your audience's sake. They probably don't want to hear that. But I do have a Dr. Seuss quote, so that should be. Oh, like, I'm excited about that. Up and you know, just motivational in and of itself, right? So my favorite Dr. Seuss quote is, "Don't cry that it's over. Be happy that it happened," or something like that. Smile, be don't don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And I I try to live my life that way and just be grateful. For the things that have happened as we get into our discussion today you'll see i i've had a lot of experiences in my lifetime i yes. wouldn't change a thing because i love who i am today and that quote really tells me i am grateful for what my life has become and i'm happy that those things happened i'm not sad about it being over so yeah, that's my quote. My other one is Jim Collins. It's it's not motivational necessarily or really uppity like Dr. Seuss, but as my work in Talents Ascend, right person on the right seat in the bus with the right skills. So that's that's really what our mission is all about is, is that putting the right person with the right skills in the role. So those are two of my favorites. No, I love that. And it, especially your first one, shout out to Dr. Seuss and Green yep. Eggs and Ham. But <laughs> what I love about that one in particular, it's my, I remember my dad saying that to me about even our teachers. He's like, 
you, yes, you know, you're good teachers, but you'll never forget the bad ones. And I mean, and so it's even the the bad leaders that we've had, the, the bad mentors, the bad teachers, there's so much to learn. And instead of regretting being in their presence or knowing them, right, it's, there's so much value that we can take from just having known them. So, no, I, I love that. And I think you're the, the first to quote Dr. Seuss, if I'm not mistaken. So All right. there we go. Our, our veteran voices listeners and so I'd love to to take us back to your your childhood and where you grew up because I think it's such a big important piece of what makes us who we are and I'm very much on and family history and ancestry and just yeah not forgetting our roots so I'd love to, to hear more yeah no I agree and, and as I said you know all of my experiences that have led up to today have made me who I am and I love who I am today and what I get to do and the life that I have. So it wasn't always easy. I grew up, my mother was 17 when she had me. She turned 18 a month later. My father joined the Air Force shortly after that because he didn't want to be a father. So my young mother was left on her own with me, which you can imagine that that life back in back in the day. That's all uh, leave it at that. <laughs> Back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, but you know, and then both of my parents got remarried and I went through a childhood that I don't remember a lot of because it was, it was a lot of tragic abuse, negligence, just a mm. lot of things that happened to me, but it made me strong and it made me mm -hmm. resilient. And then I joined the Navy. As That's the part that I wanted to know. Well, yeah. yes, you joined the Navy, but you know, for our, for our listeners, especially those who are not tuning in through video, but you know, is it just listening to you and who don't have the privilege of knowing you like I do just talk about that, that time of joining as a woman, like there, there wasn't a lot of women that were joining. I would dare to say that you might've been the only woman in the room a lot of times, but you know, I, I'd love to hear more about First, why why the Navy? Was it a billboard sign? Was it a recruiter walk by? He was who was on his lunch, and and then again, what that was like for you coming in first as a, as a woman? Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of back it up a little bit, I I excelled in school, but I couldn't go to college because my mm. stepfather wouldn't divulge his finances. So I couldn't apply to colleges even to get a scholarship, which I later found out that I had. I would have received one. So wow. the recruiter, the Navy recruiter came to our high school one day and it was just the timing of it all. They said, hey, join the Navy, see the world. And I had never really been out of Indiana. I had never been on an airplane before I went to boot camp. Wow. So that's kind of tells you where my life was at the time. And I didn't see a lot of choices in what where my life was going. So timing everything happens for a reason and they came to the high school that day and told us to about the navy and of course the whole hype of you know see the world and i'm i'm in indiana in a landlocked state so not lot not a lot of water around me and i'd never been to the ocean before so i mean this was like a new experience so that's really what it was and it just intrigued me i wasn't I wasn't afraid of it. I, you know, the military wasn't something that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a female. I can't go into the military. Right. It wasn't that at all. It was just the adventure of it and getting out of Indiana and my opportunity <laughs> to, to do something with my life. But when I went to go to sign up, they didn't have anything because there weren't a lot of roles females could be part of there. We had a lot of restrictions back in 1979 when I went in. And so I didn't have a, an occupation I could choose right away. So 
I went in undesignated, which basically meant I went in without a career choice, but I was so ready to get out of Indiana and ready to join the Navy that I took the first opportunity. So I ended up in boot camp in Orlando in July, July through September, which is the hottest time in Florida. Don't recommend I it. I can think of worse places for you to go with your first time out of Indiana. So yes, Florida is not, not so bad. Absolutely. Uh, the plane ride was horrible. As I mentioned, I'd never been on a plane before. But when I got to Orlando, I loved, I loved boot camp. I loved the structure. I loved being able to achieve things. I did mm. very well to the point of, there weren't enough female company commanders is what they, what they called them, the drill instructors for the Navy at the time. So while I was in training, they chose five recruits to become assistant company commanders. And I'll never forget, I went to that interview and the hem on my dungaree pants had come down and I was so afraid they were going to notice that my uniform was like not top notch and I wasn't going to get picked. I did ultimately get chosen to mm. be an assistant company commander. So I did that right out of boot camp. So I went from being a recruit and being trained on how to live the military life to training a new company of recruits, which was a very interesting experience. But I remember one time a, a recruit was struggling and I just said to her, just do what they, they tell you to do. Just don't right. think about it. Just don't, don't think at all. Just when they say jump, you jump and, and that's it. And you'll, you'll make it through. So, so that was an experience, but my first duty station after that was Keflavik, Iceland. And I went there again, still not having chosen a career uh, but that's where they needed an undesignated person. And ultimately, I was cleaning the captain's office, Captain Robert Berg. I'll never forget him. He was the captain of the base, the Naval Air Station there. And I remember being in his office at like 6 a.m. And he was not supposed to be there until 8. He came in early, scared me to death, you know, 18 years old. 19 years old and here's the captain of the base coming into his office that I'm supposed to have cleaned and so that was that was interesting but I'll never forget what he said to me he he, he sat me down and said officers put their uniform on one leg at a time just like enlisted respect is earned and due but you don't have to be afraid and I'll never forget that and it's one of the things that I've carried with me from leaders that I've worked for or businesses that right. I've worked for is you don't have to be afraid. Respect is there and due and earned, but you don't have to be afraid of people who are in a position above you. So, but the Navy also taught me that I had to fight for my skills because I, I would choose, I had to choose a career. And every right. time I would go to choose one, they would say, nope, you can't do that one because you're a female. Not because I wasn't smart uh enough. Not because I wasn't strong enough, not because I couldn't pass the test or had the skills, simply because I was a female. And it was a time in the Navy when the older generation of sailors wanted to take you under their wing. They wanted to protect you. They didn't want you to do anything. They want, you know, they were trying to, to so you didn't get hurt. And then you had the other side of the equation where the younger sailors thought that females in the Navy were only there for one reason. So mm -hmm. it was a very, it was a very interesting time, but I had grown up as a redheaded stepchild. So I was tough. I, I was resilient and got through it. And I loved being in uniform. I loved, 
I love. But well, I was, you already got to go to cool places again. That's where, where you made the smart trip with the Navy. At least you yeah. get to end up by the sea and these <laughs> these exotic. I think often different places, like you said, Iceland. Coming going out of Florida and ending up in Iceland. Uh, it's, you know, some people never leave Fort Liberty in North Carolina. So for the army i think i already the try i know right be sorry for us but no that's it's great we love being landlocked but no the thing with the what you're mentioning about taking them under the wing of the older generation i think that's the thing with the military regardless of whether you're early on in your career or later on that it always blew my mind why people wouldn't want to take the younger newer recruits under their wing i'm like it's such a missed opportunity to pass on your knowledge even if you're only a few years ahead or one rank ahead of that person there's still so much knowledge that you have to share to pass on and so i'd love to hear about some of the the mentors that you had and what it was like you know as a woman did you find that your mentors were also were of both sexes and did your peers also sort of step into that that role and support you in those in those positions you know, in, in the, while I was in the Navy, I found that, well, a good majority of people in the Navy were men. So, you know, most of the mentors were were male. But I did find a few that really, as a civilian as well, the people that really believed in my creativity and my ability to get things done so they could trust that I could get things done. So those were my favorite mentors along the way. And, and by the way, after I went to Iceland, I went to Brunswick, Maine. Jacksonville, Florida, and then oh. Pearl Harbor. So I did have some really great. Oh my goodness. <laughs> in my nine years, but mentors, you know, it was, it's almost the opposite. Like I spent more time mentoring others and creating opportunities for people to find a safe space, particularly female service members. Every duty station I went to, I was creating some sort of club or some sort of, you know, when I got to Pearl Harbor, we called it the the first petty officer, first class, oh, first class club, you know, it's the, so just things like that to really create a safe environment for people to have a place to go to and talk about things that were happening to them. And in that, I found people that supported that. A lot of people, I mean, I remember, and now that I'm kind of back in the military fold with what I do today, right. I remember a lot more about the the people that I was stationed with and and friends and whatnot. So it was great. It was I, I loved it. I really did. It's the experiences that I had aside, I, I did love being in the Navy. I, I love that. And I, I'd be remiss to not ask you, as I, I mentioned, you know, before we got on this episode about the time that you did serve as as a woman. And I was mentioning that for me, a post 9-11 veteran, anyone who served back in, as you mentioned, the 70s, 80s, even the 90s, just such huge respect and hats off because you you women really paved such a huge path for us that came behind you. And I would just love, you know, and thank you for that. I call you like the pioneer women, but just, you know, I just thinking how tough you all are. And I was wondering if you could share a bit about some of those big differences that you see now. I know you're still heavily in the veteran space and those who are, who are transitioning from active duty, but just would love to hear some of your, your thoughts of some of those big changes that you've seen for better, or for worse. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the opportunities, obviously, to be able to be a pilot, to be on a combat ship, you know, just those opportunities have opened up. Really, there's no limitations today like there were. And it took a while to get there. A little, you know, things opened up a little gradually at a time. But there there are very few limitations today that, that women, I mean, a woman can be a Navy SEAL if, if they can 
they can pass the test and do the, do the job. What I love is that my granddaughter, who is 14, wants to be a Navy pilot. Wow. So what I love is that, and I thank you for calling me a pioneer, love that. But what I see is, you know, the path of what you've done and, and other ladies like you who are in that middle ground between what I went through, what you've built and what my granddaughter will experience when she joins if that's ultimately what she ends up doing. So the opportunities, and I feel good that I've been part of that. And, and it, it, it is a blessing to know that you've carved a piece of history, but even women still today serving today are still carving that path. There yes, are still leadership roles that more women should be into more, you know, command positions that, that women should get the opportunity to lead. So there's still work to be done there on the, on the, on the bad side, there's still work to be done around harassment and things like that. That's still happening. And that needs to change. That has to change. It's just, it should not happen regardless. And so, so I think there's, I love where we've come because the opportunity, I mean, I couldn't be a Navy pilot, even if I had wanted to. And my granddaughter will get the opportunity to do that if if that's what she wants to do. But there's still work to be done. So, yes, no. And the phrase that came to mind as you're saying that was was hold the line, you know, and just we we want to hold the line since if we don't want to go backwards, it's we yeah. we have paved this path and come such a long way. We don't want to fall back. I, I even think about fertility and women's health, even when we opened up women in combat arms, that was even during my time, combat arms being opened up to women. We were, we were on the battlefield. (laughs) Even like in the civil war, women were there on the field, but you know, we were not recognized as that with the same benefits as our male peers. And so even that sacrifice of of motherhood and and knowing so many that I've served my sisters who have either had fertility issues or have been away for that half that time of their child's life. And it's just um, those other challenges that are unique for a woman who has served. And I think it's important that we talk about those. And I know you touched on harassment, you know, military sexual trauma, and just those, some of those things that still need to keep getting re-looked at as far as the policies go and making sure that we're establishing and access to those re- resources, right? Even like the lactation rooms, things yeah. that we weren't, that wasn't something that we thought of before. And, but I have talked to, to women of the different eras and it's just, again, where each year it seems a little bit more progress that we've we've chipped away a little bit more a little bit more and we've we've crossed that threshold a little bit further but holding the line where we're at so we don't regress is so important again for opportunities like your granddaughter and her generation to be able to continue aiming high and of course we saw in the news like miss america you know her first act of duty right and absolutely um, you know (laughs) pilot in training and for her to be the first act of duty a woman miss america title to earn that that's incredible and so again just talking about your time in the navy how how many years was that and sort of when did you realize that point of it's time to hang up the uniform that you love so much i did uh so i served for nine years 
And my, I guess my turning point, I wanted to be an officer. I, I went in enlisted. And at some point I said, I, I want to change the Navy. I want to, I want to do something about some of these things and I'll become an officer and I can change the Navy. That was quite the lofty goal I had. The Navy had a, what we, they called a limited duty officer program where you could go from enlisted to officer without having your degree, without having, you know, gone to the academy, that kind of thing. So I went through all of that for two years, worked on my degree, worked on my social community, volunteer work, and just had the highest recommendations. And the year that I applied, they did not rate any data processing or supply chain officers in the limited duty officer space. So they didn't even open my my package that I had worked so hard to put together. And it was it was so good. It was just so good. And so I got really, really disheartened and thought, that's a sign. Somebody's telling me something. Well, a couple of days later, as I was in programming school in Quantico, Virginia, on my way to the Monterey weather station in California, my instructor came to me and said, someone forgot to have you sign your reenlistment papers in Pearl Harbor when you left. So you need to either sign those or you need to leave. And I thought, there's sign number two that I need to get out, that I have an opportunity to, okay, this is, I'm done. I had also just passed the test to become an E7. Um, And in the Navy at the time, there was an initiation process that I had just witnessed my now ex-husband go through, and it was horrible for him. And I knew I'd never survive it. I I just knew that I couldn't survive it, and I didn't want to do it. So that was- Sign number three, that it was time for me to go. So all the, the you know, the, the clouds aligned and everything came together to say, it's time for you to go. Uh, and so at nine years, I made that decision because I would have had to sign up for another four, which would have put me over 13. And at that's that point, where they get you, right? Right. Exactly. You got to do 20 at that point. <laughs> go down the hill. Um, you know, so, no, so I just, that's interesting. And yeah. I mean, and did you have, and you, you mentioned your ex-husband, did you have a family at that point? I, I did. I had a daughter. My daughter was okay. two at the time, which was another thing. When I left Pearl Harbor, you were talking about kind of the restrictions on combat and, and, and families. I wanted to volunteer to go on a ship. I wanted that experience. Yes. But at the time... I could not, females could not have any dependents and serve on oh. any sort of ships. So the Navy said, yeah, we'll, we'll put you on a ship, but you have to give up custody of your daughter. And I was like, my, my husband wouldn't have to do that. Why should I have to do that? So that was a no-go for me, but you know, it, it was just a, a time that I said, okay, I've done, I've done what I needed to do. Right. Um, and it's time for me to to leave and, and go do something else. So for you to even say that now, like, you know, we're talking, we're in 2024 now, but you're just like, that right? wasn't even, right? That, that was even a thing. And I know for the service academies, that's something where they're like, you can't have dependence. And they also talk about that with the custody of giving custody. And I know that they've have since changed some of the rules on that as well, but it's, it just, wow. Right. It's not yeah. that long ago. And look no. how far we had come that you would have had to give up custody of your daughter just to be able to serve on a ship. No. And so, gosh, and, and again, that's why I say hats off to you, the pioneers who were willing to put up with that with a straight face somehow and keep showing up each day exactly. in uniform. So I would love to know, obviously we also talked about being 
for myself a post nine eleven veteran and having so many things available to us as far as resources goes. And a lot of that is thanks to the veterans who came before us and would love to know what was wasn't available at that time for you in the transition. Did anyone have that conversation with you and and sort of what that looked like for you and your family at that time? Yeah. So I was a single mom at the time. So I separated from my husband as we left Pearl Harbor and on to my next duty station when I decided to get out. So I had my two and a half year old with me and no, there was no transition class. There was nothing. March 31st, I was in uniform getting my final papers and my final paycheck. The next morning I was out of uniform and on my way home. Um, There was nothing. And, you know, at the time, I didn't, I honestly didn't think anything about it. I just served for nine years. I, I'd done lots of different things. I was afraid of anything. And so I just said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going home for a couple of weeks and then I'm going to figure out where I'm going from there. And so there was no transition assistance programs like we have today. Right. Even though that also still needs some work, it's definitely better than nothing. You know, there was no education support on base. There was no employment support on base. So there was no resources to go to had I even wanted to or thought of, hey, I need some help. It just wasn't in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to get out and get a job. That's what, what same, same with disability, right? Like we talk about yes. now, like get, file for disability, get your rating. Yes. And <laughs> that conversation doesn't happen. Take no. money from the government for the rest of your life. What do you mean? So I would love to, again, like the, that piece is so important, I think, to just to highlight again because of how how far we have come but to just know how easy it is for this stuff to get as taken away as quickly as as we got it so it's so important that we use these resources that are available to us to be able to ask for help ask those questions because we don't know what we don't know and to to reach out to these others who have gone before because we have come far such a long way yeah that, that transition piece for you coming out what did that look like coming for a job before you coming going into the Navy? You were limited. You only have X, Y, Z. This is these are this is it. This is all you get. So now you're coming in the civilian sector where you you basically have a whole whole lot of things to do. Uh, so how did you navigate what to do and and what did that look like for you? That was another step backwards, unfortunately, because when I got out, I went to a resume writer. I'd never had a resume before. And somebody said, go pay this person. They'll write a resume for you. And when I went to them, they couldn't figure out what what to put down about what I'd done in the Navy. They didn't know how to translate my skills or take any transferable skills to a new occupation, a new career. And I had to start over. They basically said, you're a female go to a staffing agency. You can get a job as an administrative assistant with your eyes closed. That's the best thing you can do, which was the worst thing that happened could have happened to me because I had nine years of training and skills and abilities that I had to set aside to put food on the table for my daughter because I, I had a daughter to, to, you know, support. So I did go to an agency and I did get, you know, an administrative assistant job and for 12 years. So from the time I got out of the Navy to the time I got a job at a fortune 500 company doing the same job I was doing when I got out of the Navy, 12 year span, I worked for 10 different companies in four different States. That's what it took me to get back to utilizing the skills that I have, 
yes. being paid what I deserve to be paid for the skills that I have. So that that was tough. But again, at the time, I didn't think anything about it. I was like, okay, I'm I'm used to just doing what I'm told. So I took my pink papered resume and went to a staffing agency. The pink tapered <laughs> ones. Oh goodness. The pink paper. Like, and the okay. transition right now, I'm I'm wondering too about the you were going through multiple transitions for each of that because as you mentioned, being in a landlocked state, like going in, and then to Florida. I mean, each time there's a there's a period of transition, and that's something I want to definitely highlight to our listeners about when you post active duty about we're all still figuring it out. No, there's really no locked in, but that's why we end up asking these questions and really trying to take that moment of of self discovery of what you enjoyed. Where can you really maximize the skills that you have leverage what you have and if you want to pivot careers that there's opportunities out there for you to do that and so i'd love if you could share about if you were to speak to a room of transitioning service members what's sort of what's your advice to them today never settle don't don't take the the first thing somebody tells you is the only thing you can do or is the only thing that you can get don't settle you've got transferable skills i knew that then but i didn't fight for it i know it now much better because that's what our program is all about taking those yes. transferable skills but that's what i would say to someone is is go out there and network Find other veterans in your local community that you want to be at or you're thinking about being in. Find people on LinkedIn. There's just so many more resources and connection points now than there was. Yes. I mean, the internet, I mean, you know, back in back in the 80s, we didn't have the internet. Back in the 90s, we didn't have the internet. So there's so much more opportunities that, that don't settle and don't think you have to go it alone. There's yes. thousands, if not millions of people who've gone before you that have been through a transition, been through getting out of the military and taking your transferable skills to a new career. You are not alone. Yes, you may feel like your situation is unique because of certain factors, but there's somebody out there who can help you step the way and, and get through it. But yeah, transferable skills don't settle and reach out and, and talk to people because you're not alone. No, I love that. And, and remiss if I didn't mention about Talents Ascend and, and your organization and what you founded. And so it goes right along with the transition piece. Uh, but I'd love to hear the origin story of Talents Ascend and, and just sort of how it how it started for you. And like you said, you did 12 years and then going through all these different states, these moves, these different jobs. And finally, enough was enough. You answered the calling. And what's the origin there? Started my own company. So um, I the really the the pivotal point was while I was finishing my master's, I met an army veteran's wife. We were in a chat room and she commented that her husband had been out for six months. And this was 25 years after I got out of the Navy. Mm. Um, and she commented that her husband had been out for six months, could not get an interview. And he was spiraling downward and it truly broke my heart. I, I was like, how it's 25 years after my experience, why is this still happening? He was a 9-11 veteran. It, it, all of these resources, all of these things that are available, even to the 9-11, post 9-11 veterans, it's, 
why was this happening? And I'm blessed with creativity. So I had many years of helping people with their skills. I did a lot of different projects at the companies that I worked for, fortunately with some great bosses who let me be my creative self and create skills-based programs at yes. those companies. So the idea just hit me, we've got to get back to basics and say, here's the skills a veteran has from their military service, match those skills to an employer who needs those skills. Leave out the titles, leave out the job titles, leave out job descriptions, just whittle it down to pure simplicity skills. We translate the military skill, military occupations into skills and then match mm -hmm. those to employers job skills that they need. So it really, it started there in, in 2014, I had the idea. It took me a few years to really kind of figure out, I, I still worked for the Fortune 500 company, started volunteering for a nonprofit here in the upstate of South Carolina, um, and really got back into the military community and just really started loving it. With the traditional route of I'll do it manually, I've got the skills of this veteran. I'm going to manually match them to an employer, which is very time consuming. And you can really yes. only do it one job, one person at a time. Um, but I knew in the back of my mind, even in 2014, that if we could create a, a computer program to do that matching, to do that translation, that we could do it so much faster and so much better. Um, and finally, in 2018, again, the stars all aligned, things happen for a reason, little things here and there. Uh, and we finally got the money and the opportunity to build the computer program to translate those occupations and match those skills. So it was a bit of a journey. It's now been nearly almost 10 years since I first had the idea. Uh, and we're almost six years old as a company, but that's really the premise. It's, it's about being able to look at the human being, which yes. if somebody had done that when I got out of the Navy and said, this human being has these skills, doesn't matter where I got them. Doesn't matter how long I've had them. You know, it doesn't matter what gender I am, just that I have these skills and your company needs these skills. Have a conversation, match them up together. So that's really what Talents Ascend is about. We started out in 2018 as Veterans Ascend, really just for veterans. We quickly added military spouses who also endure a lot of barriers getting to great that. careers. Uh, gaps in their work history because they're serving yes. our country, not in uniform, but certainly serving our country right alongside their service member. Um, and so then, then we added the disability community. And in 2022, we became Talents Ascend uh, and brought it all together and opened it up for everyone while still having priority for our communities that we serve. That's fantastic. And what a journey that has been and how much you've accomplished and how many that you've helped and so, and I, and I know it even for my transition, you know, that's how I came to know you and getting to know the Thompsons, you know, and just <laughs> shout out to Bruce and Neela, but yes. that's something that, you know, a power couple there in the veteran space, especially Absolutely. in Florida, but I, I was going through so many of the things that you mentioned as far as the barriers. And I did settle, you know, when I was 
in my transition. I went with the first skill bridge that was interested in me. I went with the first, like, I was just so grateful to even have a interview, <laughs> any right? interview. I was like, whoever will take me. It wasn't a matter of looking at skills. It's just like, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Yeah, And I'll do it. <laughs> like yeah. you want me to, and it's like doing the, doing the dance, the pony show here is just like, whatever you want me to do. And so that's where it's so important what you have created, what you've developed, because even for the, I, I imagine it was like the cheaper end of what the military paid for, for to align our skills for my job in the army. It was saying marketing is your alignment. Well, everybody would ask me, well, can we see your portfolio? And I'm like, what, what portfolio? Right. <laughs> so it was like, so it was a, it was not an exact alignment. And then it, it came to be that just because that's what you did in service doesn't mean that that's what you have to do for the rest of your life. And that's where we are learning more about entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship, getting out there and really finding what drives your passion. Cause I think that that's a big part of why we serve and put up with what we do in service is because we have that servant heart to do something greater than ourselves. And it, it stays with us beyond the uniform. So Absolutely. thank you for that. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear about how people can find more information and how they can get involved. And is there any way that our, our listeners, viewers could support you? Yeah, absolutely. So we also have a nonprofit side called the Ascend Collective, and that's where mm -hmm. we really help candidates get career ready and connect them to resources of, of any type. So it doesn't have to, if you need something that's not related to employment, we, we've yeah. got connections, we've got resources. So please reach out again. Don't go through things alone. So talentsascend.com is the uh, corporate side where you can create a profile for free. We'll translate your occupations into skills and then match that. And one of the things about what you were just saying, Mary-Kate, is that we don't look at the titles to present you as a title person to a, an employer. We present those skills from that yes. occupation. So we use infantry as an example all the time because people assume infantry can only do security work. That is not all an infantry person can do. If you look at the actual skills they earn yes. from their time. So there's a lot it more that goes into detail. us. And if we, if we only pigeonhole people into what relates to their titles, their previous titles, you're going to miss out on so much talent. So talentsascend.com, free to, to create a profile, takes less than 10 minutes, no resume, no application. Oh, we're we're going to match you directly to an employer. You're going to get directly to an interview with a hiring manager, a business owner. And then on the Ascend Collective side, it's the ascendcollective.org. So that's our nonprofit. Out there, you'll see the communities that we really advocate for, but we've got a lot of connections, a lot of partners, a lot of resources. So again, please reach out. Um, we we want to, we're here to help. And that the rank piece too, you mentioned about even as a young sailor getting to be the assistant to the commander. Uh, so I, I think we, we sort of put that mental blockage as well. And I've actually had potential employers ask me what rank I was or what rank I am. And there's sort of a thing where, I tell them, but then I'm, I'm like, well, well, why? And I know some people match it with your management level, but everybody's story is so different. And then you do have those rock stars that shine above their peers that get opportunities like you did to be able to do something well above their pay grade and yeah. their rank. And so definitely don't let that piece hold you back uh, from these opportunities. I have peers who, because they don't have a college degree, they also immediately say like, I can't, I'm, I don't have a shot. I don't stand a chance and I'm not even going to try to apply for that. 
So I love what the work that you're doing there and, and sharing how they can get involved with that. Yeah. And that's a good point, Mary Kate, is that, you know, we, we, we look at the unemployment number for veterans and it's, it's low 2.9%, I think was the latest one. That's not the real story. Veterans are underemployed or they take themselves out of the workforce or out of the job hunt because of situations like that. They look at a job description on an application and they're like, well, I didn't do that exactly. But if they were asked what skills they have that match the skills that business needs, it would be an instant value. So what they bring to the table, right? I'm like your network. You just mentioned all these different countries that you've been into. And, and sometimes even the network is worth its weight in gold for a company, especially if you're in in business development and like sales, right. Or in events, you're able to network like crazy because you've had to do it your whole life. People from all walks of life that you wouldn't have given the time of day in the civilian side, you are matched. You are, you are roommates with other people that you, (laughs) that are so different from you and come from different walks of life, but now they become your brothers and sisters and you have that massive network that spans the globe. Uh, So there's so much that we bring to the table beyond even our, our hard skills, those soft skills as well. And so thank you. Thank you so much. I know with me, I tend to, I have to cut myself off because I will end up asking you questions and we'll go all the way down and take all day long. And, but could you please share with our listeners how they can reach you and personally and help what best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. So on LinkedIn, I'm Robin J. Grable, R-O-B-Y-N Grable. So you can reach me there. And then again, our, our website is talentsascend.com. You can email us at find talent at talentsascend.com. And one of the team members will reach back out to you. So we're here, reach out anytime, not don't worry about what question you have. We'll find an answer for you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Robin, for joining us. And again, as you, anything changes, we welcome you back to Veteran Voices anytime. And I know we barely touched the surface on what you do for spouses, for military veteran spouses, but it's so important. So our listeners out there, as you get involved, don't forget that your spouses are going through this transition with you. Again, another unique resource. Not all the organizations out there support the spouse, the military spouse and veteran spouse. So please, Robin's organization is one of them. So thank you so much, Robin. And thank you you all for joining us. Whether this is your first or second or 100th time that you've been with Veteran Voices, thank you. We hope you come back, enjoy this episode, reach out to Robin. And again, you can get the Veteran Voices podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And again, reminder to do good and be the change that's needed. Thank you. And this is Mary-Kate Saliva. I'll see you all next time. 